G'day Footyology listeners, Roko here. Enjoy our podcast? Well, you can become an official Footyology podcast supporter simply by using the supporter feature through ACAST. There's no subscription or regular commitment, just the sheer satisfaction that comes with knowing you've kept the debt collectors from our door. No, just kidding. It does help though. If you want to get started, you just need to follow the support this show link in the show description. Thanks again. And now let's get on with it. G'day everyone, welcome to the post-grand final edition of Footyology TV, coming to you live from the studios of Southern FM. Good evening, Mark Fine. Good evening, Roko. How are you, mate? I'm I'm up and about, as I think most people in the footy world should be, and maybe not Collingwood supporters, but it's hard to find the, uh, the right words to describe yesterday's grand final, because he is one of the great grand finals of all time. For me, the best I've seen live, unfold really? live. Yeah, you know, I love the 67 grand final, but of course that's a replay treat for me. I'll wait till the end of the program to explain exactly why this was such an enjoyable afternoon of football, but I don't think anybody that tuned into the grand final after 20 minutes, especially given what had preceded in the preliminary finals with teams being shut out by half-time, could have possibly imagined... What a treat we were all in for. Well, some important uh, markers, I think, which help add to the status. One is uh, West Coast of one coming from 20 points, uh, 29 points down. Biggest deficit retrieve to win a grand final since Essendon in 84. They were 32 points down against Hawthorne. Um, I did some number crunching this morning, went right back through the records. The latest goal to win a grand final, to put a team in front and win a grand final since... Fred Stafford, 37. Uh, 1947, kicked a yeah. goal in the last 40 seconds uh, to, for Carlton to beat Essendon by a point. Yes. Um, what was the other one? I think it's the second time in grand final history we've had scores level at three-quarter time. That was 37. Uh, yeah, 1937, Collingwood, Geelong. And there's another one there I had which now escapes me. But uh, I loved everything about it. Flying start by the pies. West Coast working their way back into it. Uh, Collingwood then sort of bravely resisting. West Coast unable to hammer the final nail in the coffin. Collingwood putting on that surge at the start of the last quarter. Two goals in 90 seconds. I know I'm preempting our review here, but uh, it, it had everything. It had drama. had a bit of controversy, which we'll talk about. Um, Norm Smith medal. What do you think of the Norm Smith medal? Uh, no problem with the winner. I think there was a clutch of players that were in contention. I'll talk a little bit later about the process of the Norm Smith medal that has changed, but whether or not winning the game was the tipping point for Luke Shuey, given how close it was, it shouldn't have been. But no problems with the winner. And, you know, it's when we look back at the game and place it in the pantheon of great grand finals, we'll also look for some external elements as to whether it was a great day. It's good that the crowd tipped over 100,000. Oh, it always a, does now. They it, make sure it does. Yes, it's... <laughs> and 22. Just yeah, to, yeah. <laughs> but at least that's the official figure. The weather held. So, yeah, it did. So because um, there's aerial ability on both sides, you know, Cox, yeah. we, who we'll talk about, but we know West Coast are a marking team. Yeah. That made for a great day. And the crowd was unbelievable. At times, I felt it was packed with Collingwood supporters, like 80,000, and then 80,000 West Coast supporters. For the old 
the sort of hoary old chestnut that it's a, a day for the corporates and not for the fans, it didn't seem to be no. that case on uh, Saturday. I got there reasonably early and did a, a lap of the ground and straight away I noticed just how many um, West Coast supporters there were. Uh, of course, I've neglected to say this. You probably don't need reminding now, but we want your questions. We're going to work our way through the game quarter by quarter, but keep sending the questions in as they occur to you. We'll answer a whole clutch of them after we finish the wrap-up of the game in general. Just quickly, Pantheon of Grand Finals. That was my 48th. I've been very fortunate. Gee, that's, that's I've there. seen two replays. Of all the ones I've seen live, I have that fractionally behind 2012 Hawthorne and Sydney, which I just think had a better quality of footy. If I was talking all time, 1970 for me is the pinnacle of Grand Finals. Everything, greatest comeback, record crowd, Stories galore, but this one of all time, this one has got to be, I reckon, top five at the very least. And part of the greatness of a game look, they cop it when the game doesn't flow or is unfairly influenced by them. But it's not just the 44 players, the three umpires I thought had. A great afternoon. Yeah, I agree. They, they decided to let it go, and, and they did. Consistently. Yep. With, with consistent and acceptable levels of tolerance for disposal and for holding the man, which are the, you know, the contentious ones. All right, well, we're going to uh, discuss all this in detail. As it occurred, it's time now for The Wraparound. It's like a uh, 12-inch scratch mitch, uh, mix of the old uh, Channel 10 five-minute warning. <laughs> um, if you can hear a little noise in the background there, uh, we've got some uh, competing voices, but we'll silence them very shortly if they can't silence themselves. Don't worry about finding focus. No, I was just going to say they're better-looking voices. Yeah. Uh, I think we're now almost become known for our four-quarter analysis. So Yes, uh, well, I've been looking forward to this. Yeah. So, I've, as I know, you took your notes up here. I've taken my notes on paper. Yep. Let's start at the start. Incredible start by Collingwood. Now, you talk about ifs and buts. Josh... Well, well, actually, just before that, the, an opportunity for an incredible start by West Coast. Oh, that's it... what I was about to say. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Josh Kennedy marked yep. and missed a very gettable shot. And uh, for a time there, you were thinking, well, what if, what if? But full credit to the Pies. Uh, Travis Varco first on the board. Good running goal. Got them up and about, obviously emotional because the tragic passing of his sister recently. What you couldn't help, though, it was almost a double whammy. It was Collingwood getting the goals, but it was three of them in a row coming from disastrous West Coast errors. So you had Stevenson's first goal, Collingwood's second, came after Kennedy and Daniel Venables collided, yes. going for a gimme mark, which would have given them a shot 20 metres out. So that was two goals after 10 and a half minutes. Stevenson's second goal, Collingwood's third at the 12 and a half minute mark, came after Tom Cole dropped a sit. Yeah, it was running with the flight, but a relative sitter, I think. Stevenson then bumps him off, uh, makes him lose balance, runs in, kicks a third goal. Clanger number two for West Coast. And then, just to make it worse, West Coast captain, the normally very reliable Shannon Hearn, tries to hit a, a target too far, intercept, Ball goes down to Goey, kicks an absolute rip-snorter of a goal, ducking between uh, Redden and McGovern, snaps on his right, and it's four goals to nothing, 16 and a half minutes in. West Coast having committed three clangers. 
it looked bad, didn't it? It did look bad. Uh, of course, there's a fifth goal for them to have to counter. At this point, that 29-point margin so looms well, large. So Will Hoskin Elliott at the 22-minute mark, they got another behind. Yep. It's 29 uh, points of difference as late as almost the 27-minute mark. And you start asking questions, what is failing? What's not functioning for the West Coast Eagles? Now, West Coast Eagles are a pretty stop-start team. We know that by number of marks, over 100 per game is their... Uh, sort of uh, where they plant their flag and where they win games. Haven't lost a game, taken over 100 marks. They like possessing the ball. Collingwood are moving the ball quickly. At this point in time, West Coast are really suffering from the grand final pressure because that's a couple of those mistakes were grand final pressure and Collingwood pressure to execute end-to-end transfer of ball by foot. It's starting to look a problem and they've got a player who is sluggish and playing at the wrong pace, and that's Jack Darling. Mm. He's not really in the game, and when he has the ball, he's caught. So things are not looking good for them. A couple of... Um, Dom Sheed was getting his hands on the ball enough. I think he went to quarter time having had nine disposals, but a couple of missed targets with handballs, yep. a couple of sloppy kicks... So that looked quite uh, ominous as well. Cripps a bit rushed on a couple of occasions. Yeah, yeah. So it gets to to this point, you know, only three, four minutes to play in the first quarter. I don't reckon there would have been many people not thinking, oh, God, it's 2015 all over again. Yep. Five goals in arrears. Yes, yep. They've made some shocking clangers. There's, I don't think there will ever be a sterner test of a side's metal in a grand final than that. Spot on. Kennedy still hasn't kicked a goal in a grand final. The pressure is building upon pressure. So you need, you need a break. They got one, an well, important break. Well, you, we talked last week about getting a foothold in the game. Look, a fast start, not getting out of the blocks is one thing, but you have to somehow get on even footing, even if it's not on the scoreboard. And their break, their foothold, it came by accident. Well, uh, the ball bobbled towards the goal line. Willie Rioli was involved trying to get his foot on it. Didn't get there, but as the ball rolls over the line, it, it basically brushed his lower leg, and rightly, a, a goal was awarded. Two weeks in a row it happened to them. Last uh, week Lecra. it was Lacra. Yeah, so it goes back to the middle. Um, a couple of minutes between goals, but uh, probably the most fluent passage of play they'd had till that point, and it was uh, a free kick to Shuey. And a strong mark from Kennedy, who converts. So they go to quarter time, 17 points down. Not great, but gettable. A couple of things are working for them, though, at this point in time. First of all, Kennedy gets his goal, which is fantastic. So the gorilla's off his back. Two things are working for West Coast. Steel Sidebottom, who's been a star all year, is being kept out of the game by Hutchings. And Brody Grundy is facing the same problem as Max Gorn, getting double teamed by two ruckmen. And yes, he got his hands on the ball, but only hit outs. He hasn't had a possession by quarter time. So Collingwood pretty happy. West Coast, though, uh, with a bit more hope than they had five minutes before the end. That's quarter time siren. But just uh, on that quarter time as, siren. On, as I said, Mr. Yeah. Music, we'll, keep, we'll pull those questions. So uh, John Funlove and Hines are sending a good one. We'll get to that. Who would have been happier for that quarter-time siren to go, Buckley or Simpson? Oh, uh, Buckley. 
Yeah, I think, you know, there's with a the, danger of West Coast. Couple, yeah, a couple of goals back. One. Yeah. Yep, yep. All right, let's go to the second quarter. And uh, there it is there. Um, so, second quarter, 2-1 to West Coast, 1-2 to Collingwood. And from a you know, reasonably free-scoring opening term, it really, well, I was going to say it developed into a slog because we had uh, 20 and a half minutes without a goal. It didn't necessarily feel like a slog, though. It wasn't like scoring opportunities weren't being created. They just weren't being taken. And the defences of both teams outstanding. were outstanding. At that point, Langdon is playing a great game. He's, he was a ripper. McGovern and Barras are dominating the air. Yep. Darling and Mason Cox have gone backwards, if possible, from the first quarter. Mm. It's striking how aerial entries for both sides aren't working. I thought there was another... It's easy to latch on to moments in a grand final and read too much into them. But I thought there was a, <clears throat> a certain symbolism about Liam Ryan's bump on Braden Maynard, yep. which came at the 14-minute mark. Maynard was rattled by that, and he came back and played out the game, so well done him. But Ryan was one of those guys who looked a bit dodgy early on, and I just think an act like that sort of got him into the game, said, I'm here, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to turn things around, and probably, I, I felt, sent a, a message to his teammates. You know, we're playing for keeps here. I agree. And, of course, he would have a huge second half with some big positives and some glaring negatives. But in the end, Ryan wins out. In this second quarter, the first 20 minutes confirm that the game's back, again, not on the scoreboard, but in terms of general play, as a 50-50 battle. So on the field, the players know that there's no particular advantage to be had. And then there's some plays that thrive under those conditions. I thought Taylor Adams was particularly good for Collingwood. Yeah. As the game, it wasn't a scrap, but meterage became important. Yeah. And he became important, as did Luke Shuey. Mm. Yeah, well, Shuey, Shuey and Adams were the constants, weren't they, yep. throughout the game? And I, I'm just looking again at my notes here. I'd sort of been thinking before we did this, two comebacks almost by West Coast at the start and in the last quarter. But really, I reckon there's a third, and that is 20 minutes of stalemate. It was Collingwood who kicked the first goal of the quarter through to Goey. Yep. Another um, great goal. Well, Will Hoskin Elliott really ran his ass yep. off, didn't he, to, to get what, down and get on the end of it the was pass. A it was great because it was, Collingwood would not be able to get behind, you know, behind their opponents. Mm. Hard running and some decisive disposals. You know, I'm not talking about the goal, but the actual play by Collingwood, yeah. I thought they could bust it open there. Yeah, well, and, and the goal itself. I mean, Degoe, jeez, he's got a boot. I mean, yeah. two yeah. of his three goals came from outside 50, and this yeah. is one of them. So you've got five minutes in the half left, and Collingwood, after 20 minutes of struggle by West Coast, are back out to a 23-point lead. So that could have been almost another tipping point, couldn't it? And yet, not for the first or last time, the Eagles responded. And they responded with, again, I thought this was an important moment, a, arguably their most cohesive passage of the game thus far, which saw the, the ball get out to Ryan. Ryan found... Well, they got, they got into space out on the... Um, what side is it? The AFL members, side. AFL, AFL member side. Uh, Ryan Marks... Uh, had it was almost a three on one in the end. I think F finds Lacroix, Lacroix handball over the top to Hutchings. Hutchings runs into an open goal, um, back to seventeen points, and then another three minutes on after that, a really good snap from Luke Shuey, who's just growing and growing and sort of becoming the 
focal point of, of West Coast attempt to work back into the game. So half-time side, the Shuey goal comes with a minute 34 left in the half. So they head into half-time, 12 points up Collingwood. But again, you're definitely feeling West Coast is in this. They're, they're not going away. No, they finished the quarter off as they did in the first quarter with a couple of key goals. Two players leave the ground having had calamitous first halves. Really, Mason Cox, barely a touch, not a mark. And Jack Darling looks to be a grand final liability. Mm. What happens in the next 15 minutes, we don't know, but something happened. Yeah, well, I mean, credit to Darling too, because, I mean, he had a, a stinker in 2015. Gets to halftime of this game, and it's going as badly, if not worse. It would take an enormous resolve to get out of that. And I, I guess one of the stories in the wash-up of this grand final will be exactly what was said to him, if anything. What was he thinking? I, I'm sort of looking forward to hearing that because yeah. it, it, it was a remarkable effort, really, given how poorly he'd played the first half. Well, likewise with Cox, he, he was on the ground early after halftime <clears throat> doing marking practice. It yeah. seemed late study for a grand final. The question was, was the occasion, or probably more accurately, the opposition of brilliant aerialists in McGovern and Barras going to do in the big American? Important point here too, I think in, in time to come people will look back and they'll go, well Collingwood dominated that early bit but West Coast took over in terms of general play after that. Not quite right because I, I've, the half-time stats, I've got them here, Collingwood went to half-time still having had five more inside 50s. They won the clearances, just. Uh, Grundy wasn't having that presence around the ground, but was dominating the hitouts. Centre bounce clearances were even, which was significant. Collingwood wasn't really getting the advantage of Grundy's ruck work. And I've got to say, with those centre clearances, they were not decisive. No. You know, centre clearances on paper are very different to a breakaway hitting up a forward. They were not deciding the issue. Probably the most decisive stat was the tackle count. So at halftime, it was 56 to 36 Collingwood's way. And you'd look at it and think, that's probably the difference in the game. Collingwood have been harder for longer. Individually, now we haven't mentioned this guy, so I'm going to mention him here because he definitely faded in the second half. But Braden Sire was Collingwood's leading possession winner at halftime. 16 touches. That was his 12th AFL game. He was... Funny, because there's moments in that number 36 where you have to refocus and realise it's Braden Sire, not the famous Dane Swan. Mm. He was putting himself into into the ball by one simple matter, and that is body strength. You know, he might have been the guy to miss out had they gone for a taller back line, but you were right. At halftime, I, I was so impressed by his first half. Yeah, yeah, and no, I was a, a, a great effort. And, yeah, he's got yeah. a great future. I mean, I, he's a physical being. Yeah, and obviously responds to the occasion and responds to the pressure. Yep. All right, half time. So uh, you did what you wanted. You grab a cup of tea. You, I grabbed some party pies. Raided the MCG media area oven again to the uh, to the annoyance of several other uh, colleagues. Showing that you truly are a pies fan. Uh, very good. Uh, Black eyed peas, lukewarm. I think the response to them. Barnsey. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know about his voice anymore, but I did. Um, the majority of people seem to like it. Uh, grand final sprint. <laughs> I still can't work out who won it. Actually, who did win it? Do we know who won? Uh, if you know who won the grand final, non AFL player. Non, like a local player. A local player. Yeah. Shouldn't it be AFL players? All fast locals. What's going on there? Anyway, um, maybe, right. maybe a local soccer player. You're saying Bolt. 
All right, so yeah, very good. Looking forward to how that unfolds. <laughs> uh, about as well as Izzy Folau for GWS on tipping. Um, all right, third quarter. And again, we get a dramatic moment to start. 45 seconds into the second half, and we get a clearance to West Coast. We get a mark inside 50 to Josh Kennedy. He kicks a goal, back to a goal of difference. Closest it's been since the 10-minute mark of the opening quarter. Yeah, this was the start that they really wanted. But we would learn very quickly that Collingwood are starting to maybe play a little bit of rebound footy, but the die will be cast uh, with Collingwood's ability shortly to respond. <laughs> You're here. Bye, girls. See you later. It's just our uh, fan base. They had to leave early tonight. I'm hoping they'll leave uh, pretty quickly, actually. Okay. So, Collingwood are up for the response. This quarter, suddenly... The game opens up a bit, doesn't it, in mm. terms of scoring. We have a very different dynamic to the first 20 minutes of the first of the second quarter. We start to get some clearer uh, ball usage, but something amazing happens. Well, it, it, just before yeah. that, it remind, this passage of this grand final reminded me a bit of 2011 between Geelong and Collingwood when, for a period in that third quarter, Geelong and Collingwood were swapping goals. Yep. Um, so, Kennedy first, and then... Well, you you give us your amazing thing happened. Don't I just don't want. Oh to well, it was it was it, it was the arrival of Jack Darling oh, and Mason, and Mason Cox. Cox. Yeah. I mean, this was these were two players who were not providing, maybe more importantly than scoreboard pressure, they were not providing the outlet kick, the second kick out of the back half. Yeah. And this is a big problem for both teams because the repeat entries are going to kill you, mm. and that really was where Collingwood were most damaging in the first half was a repeat entry. You know, the ball is inside 50, comes out and comes straight back in because Jack Darling either wasn't making uh, a lead up to the wing or if he did, he was completely out of touch. Well, there's a couple of big moments to the pies here because just pro so Cox kicks a goal just on five minutes, which puts it back out to 12 points. Yep. Just before that, Travis Varco nailed Willie Rioli in a tackle too, another big symbolic moment and Cox kicking his first goal is a big symbolic moment so West Coast again take the upper hand um, important uh, positional switch here too Gr uh, Nathan Buckley decides that uh, Luke Shuey is getting out of hand so Greenwood is swung off Elliot Yo and on to Luke Shuey uh, which proves pivotal because Yo starts to come into the game yep. and Shuey really wasn't curbed so a couple of goals Back and forwards. Yeah, Cripps well, and Adams. Cripps for ne uh, is next cab off the yep. rank. Um, handball from Rioli and a clever snap from in close, tight angle. Um, by this stage, though, th this is important as well. At uh, the moment Cripps kicked his goal, West Coast had had eight of the nine inside 50s for the turn. So they're really starting to work their way on top in terms of general play. But another great response from the Pies. And it seemed for a time there, didn't it, that... West Coast kept getting the ball in there and not scoring. Every time West, uh, Collingwood went forward, they got a goal. Goal to Taylor, Taylor Adams from a really good snap in yep. some pretty heavy traffic. That's eight minutes 40 in. That puts Collingwood out to 12 points again. At that point, West Coast take hold of the game a bit. And again, it's Darling. Darling does something quite brilliant. He's I hope I get the order right because there's a goal, but there's also a brilliant piece of thinking by Darling where he marks outside 50 because of his ability to kick long. 
uh, he's given the 30 seconds, but the whole time, maybe a set play, he's got a position he's kicking to, and it lands up in Scott Lysette's hands. It was beautifully played by Darling. I was, was so impressed by the kick. Lysette misses. Yeah. Darling miss. is then in a double effort. The ball's kicked to the top of the goal square. Darling almost marks it. Or yeah. It was almost free kicked. It's about one on three. Too. Yeah, almost free kicked. The ball bobbles around a bit. Cripps gets a handball out to um, somebody who scrubs it to him. Might have been Shuey, one of the on-ballers. The ball is kicked low into the goal square. Actually, it was Lysette. Lysette oh, Lysette, Sorry, it was Lysette. Front of goal. Low kick. Now, strong hands. Jack Darling yeah. caps off a great quarter by marking and goaling. In, in front of Crisp. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Crisp, no... no um, Dishonored at Crisp. He just got out-bustled by a stronger man. Yeah, and then you said Yo got back in the game. And yeah. Then what the, great play. Yeah, well, big moment here, wasn't it? And Taylor it was, Adams. Ta- public, yeah. Taylor Adams has gone inboard on the 50. Risky kick at the best of times. Now, controversy here with poor Alex Woodward, the Collingwood runner, he got, getting yes. in the way of Jaden yeah. Stevenson. Yeah. But I have to say, having watched it a few times now, I don't think Stevenson would have got there it's in time anyway. Yo read it beautifully off yeah. the boot, didn't he? Yeah. And a great kick, thumping kick by Elliot Yo. He's a, a magnificent kick. And this one from about 52, 53 metres, which... Go yeah. on. For those of us not at the game, Rowan, riding that with the above the aerial camera, gee, was, you just felt... A good you, shot. You felt you were part of the kick. It came off the boot beautifully. Yeah. And we rode it with the ball right through the big sticks. Yeah, and West Coast hit, hits the front for uh, the first time since the four-minute... 55-second mark yep. of the first quarter. So a massive moment after that. That was just into time on. So we had a few more flurries after that. Uh, well, we actually had some Thomas flurries. Yeah, almost to- for, the, for the only time of the game. Yep. And he, he kicked two points and one that fell short. Yeah, Thomas Thomas had a snap, which is a point. There's also another big moment there where Liam Ryan has the chance to mark. And it it mm, it's one of those things... I think people are players are getting crucified less for those moments these days because there's a bit more understanding of what they're trying to do or what can happen. He definitely uh, wanted to avoid contact, so he doesn't take the he mark. He wanted to avoid, avoid front-on contact. You can get... It's like, running, it's like running into a stampede of herding buffalo. I mean, he's running with the flight of the ball. He knows there's Collingwood players coming to him. What he tries to do is mark it and instantly turn his back so the impact is felt you know, on a part of the body that won't deface him or break his ribs. Yeah. You know what? If he marks it and turns his body, well done. But unfortunately, he didn't, and he comes under some heavy scrutiny. Yeah, and it would have been a lot heavier had they not gone on and won the game, wouldn't it? Which is one of the vagaries of grand finals. You know, it won't be forgotten, but it'll be a minor talking point in years to come. Had they lost, it would be something that perhaps dogged him for the rest of his career. Maybe Lewis Jetta makes his most important contribution for the game then because <clears throat> we get to three-quarter time and he... Hang on, wait. Yep. <clears throat> then three-quarter time, as they head to the huddle, Lewis Jetta is a consoling and calming influence on Liam Ryan. He's got his arm around him mm. and he's really getting him back into the game. <clears throat> and Liam Ryan would go on to be a key figure in that last quarter. Well, let's get to this last quarter because it's it's gladiatorial stuff. Now, last quarter of a grand final, often goals are really hard to come by. When they happen quickly, you start to think the side that kicks them 
is going to win this game. Great point. So, Collingwood get one at the 34-second mark. Brody Majacek, they, they win the first clearance. There's a two-on-one in the air. He decides to stay down. Wise decision as it transpires. Uh, gets onto his right. Snaps a really good goal. 34 seconds. And Collingwood are back up by six points. And I've got to tell you, yep. at that moment, finally, the first thing I thought of was Leon Baker getting the first goal in the last quarter in 1984. I mean, Majacek's an amazing <clears throat> story. He was a backman with Port Melbourne playing in the Premiership a year ago. And in fact, he drifted back and done a couple of good things for Collingwood in the game. But his scoreboard <clears throat> impact hadn't been seen until mm. that moment. And I just had this feeling Mahocek plays, he comes in twos and threes, Mahocek. Yeah. And, and this was very typical of him. Very good judgment. He's tall, he can mark, but he roved and snapped as well as any forward pocket could, could possibly have done. And my thoughts start to um, wander and I start thinking, you know what? If he comes alive in this quarter, and I think he can, then Premiership number 16 is on the way. Well, you'd think that even more so after uh, another minute or so because next centre bounce, ball comes out. Now, another... I didn't mention this, actually. Dugowie, by this stage, is having a run on the ball and side bottom is going forward. Yep. However, side bottom uh, f- feeds out a beautiful little creative handball out to Dugowie who again goes bang and goals from outside 50. Arguably the biggest reaction crowd-wise in volume of the day. One minute 36 into the last quarter. Collingwood's got two goals. They're 12 points up. I wonder how many neutrals at that point thought they won't win it. Not many. I think Collingwood (laughs) are on the crest of a wave. And just in mentioning side bottom going forward, <clears throat> got to mention Schofield's game. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah, played a ripper. Yeah, this is a player... Particularly early, too. This is an experienced player given some, you know, patchwork jobs as mm. different players came forward of different heights. And he was excellent playing a truly defensive game of football. He, I, I would have thought that Dugowie would have been far too mobile for him. Yeah. It looked to me like a bad matchup, but he, he, he was fought terrific. well there. He fought well with side bottom. There were other times he had to compete <clears throat> in the air, and on each occasion, he was the true defender of all the defenders on the ground. I think um, the the sort of defenders' union, the get it to the boundary or get it through for a point type people, would give Schofield their vote. Okay, so two goals up. West Coast need a response, and they need it quickly too because had the game at this point meandered for five minutes, the pressure builds by the minute, yeah. doesn't it? Well, it's not meandering. If, if Collingwood can just make getting that goal back difficult, make it a five, six, seven-minute task, then during that period, the next goal by Collingwood is almost the, the, camel, the straw for the camel, you know. Yeah. It's so important. You just know as, as a, a fan as, and as even an impartial observer that the next 30 seconds to a minute, well, if it's, not North, if it's not West Coast, then Collingwood are starting to head towards glory. So here's your answer. Another centre bounce clearance, ball kicked into the West Coast forward line and a really strong mark by Nathan Vardy who turns around and no problem at all. Back to six points. Strange kick. Three minutes in. Remind me of Paul Broderick. He had the amazing ability, Broderick, Broderick. to kick goals and always land it somehow between the goal umpire and the fence. Oh, now, okay, yeah, okay. This was a 
for Ryder Cup fans, this was a very soft lob wedge because this ball went up and plopped over the goal umpire's hat. All right, well, I'm having a look now. We had five goals in the first eight and a half minutes of the last quarter of a yep. grand final. So next, another response from the gallant pies. It's Mason Cox again. Strong mark, a ripper mark, actually, backing Ripping back mark. and drifting across the pack. Banged his head on the way down. But uh, again, no problems for him. Straight through. Pies back out to an 11-point lead. Can they respond again, West Coast? And once again, can it be quick? Well, this is a point I'm, I want to make, that the two definitive passages of play for the Eagles that led to their last two goals of the game were, were from uh, great passages of skill execution. So they win the next centre bounce clearance. Liam Ryan gets the ball. Lovely little chip out to Josh Kennedy yep. in space. Josh Kennedy, very tight angle, goes to the side on snap and absolutely splits the middle with it. Eight minutes, 26 gone. It's back to five points, Collingwood. Five goals in rapid succession, and then the fix is in. You know you're playing in a grand final. It becomes far more difficult to get goals. Collingwood can't get it inside 50, and West Coast cannot hit the target. Well, it's five behinds in a row. So uh, Liam Ryan, Liam Ryan again. snap, just hits the post. It looked like a goal. Everybody yeah, went up. I think uh, on the replay, Bruce called it a goal. Yep. Um, second set. On the replay. I watched it live. Second shot um, hits the post. So two posters for Ryan in the last quarter. Yep. Um, shot by Kennedy, uh, falls short, punched through. Uh, then we've got uh, Maston. Uh, Chris Marston. Uh, I'm just looking at the time here, but yeah, very gettable shot. He misses. Um, so five points in a row. Collingwood leads by a point after the Marston miss. Um, and then what have we got there? Adams out in the full. Uh, so, well, well, Collingwood have this period in front of goal with the time starting to. This is when you're a supporter. So for Collingwood supporters, the time seems to just not be travelling. But believe me, for the West Coast fans and for the coach, it's just flying way too quickly. It was six minutes to go, mm. not so desperate. All of a sudden, it's three and a half, yeah. three minutes to go. Collingwood have got the ball at the top of the square, and here's an opportunity. All of a sudden, the ball lands in a couple of hands. There's a couple of chances for goals. Well, this, this, is, this passage of play will come to be known off by heart, I reckon. A massive decision. There's uh, McGovern and Dugowie. There's a one-on-one -on -one contest looming in front of them. McGovern has to decide, do I go with Goey, who's, Goey, Dugowie, who's slipped out the back, yep. or do I go for the mark? Correct. He decides to go for the mark. He takes it. Now, I've heard a few people saying it was ordinary by Dugowie. I don't agree. No, I reckon no. he had every right to go over the back I and agree. expect to get the crumbs off the back yeah. and win the premiership for Collingwood. I mean, McGovern makes a decision <clears> and execute, executes it not dissimilar to Maxwell in the 2010 Correct. Grand Final. I'm glad final. you said that because that's what I thought. And it was to a similar area. Very similar. Really brave kick by McGovern goes inboard to Vardy, who, if you have a look, is surrounded by at least three Collingwood players. Yep. Pinpoint kick gets Vardy. Vardy is directed to go out wide, but where there's a two-on-two -two contest. Kicks it up in the air. Ryan takes arguably the mark of the day. Did he hang on to it long enough? He did for mine. Okay, so the big question here is... 
was Maynard blocked by Willie Oh, we haven't, we haven't got there yet because oh. Ryan hasn't kicked the ball that far. Okay, okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah, okay, sorry. <laughs> Ryan <laughs> plays on, spots Sheed in the pocket, yeah. picks him out, and then the big if. Uh, Rioli on Maynard. Yeah, so was this it a is free? the big was it? Okay, I'll give my view quickly. I reckon you see them paid. I reckon you see more of them not paid. And I reckon particularly in the context of this game, which was basically let go from go to woe, I think the non-decision was the right call. So what Rioli did right was he didn't turn around and look at Maynard. He was able to, and with great instinct, know how to protect Ryan by still looking at Ryan and the ball. Uh, So Sheed and the ball. Mm. So he knows that Sheed is in the position to mark. If he turns around, if he takes his eyes off the ball, that is the trigger for the umpire to pay that free kick. But also, wouldn't you argue that Maynard engaged Rioli as much as Rioli engaged Maynard? It was definitely the space Maynard wanted to get to. Mm. It is an easy out for a player, rather than contest the mark, to clatter into somebody behind the mark and claim that they're blocked. Mm. I don't... I agree with you entirely. In the parameters of the umpiring for the afternoon... It's play on. If we're going to pay... And a mark pay, of course. Now, someone will say, letter of a law, it's a free kick. But I, I would argue 80 90% of marking contests involving more than two players have some element of blocking, pushing, shoving. If we're going to pay them all, we're going to get 100 free kicks a game. Again, the key is, if the player has his eye on the ball, Rioli doesn't have to fly against Sheed. He has watched the ball, and he's seen that his teammate is in a better position to mark. Or within his, five metres, that's he, not an issue. He holds his ground. But he is instinctively and, in the end, perfectly positioned to deny Maynard free passage. Well played. And then something interesting happens with Sheed. Uh, really interesting. Kicks, just before he kicks it. Uh, well, he's copping a bit of flack from the crowd. I yeah. had a good look at that. Um, oh, nearly plays on. Sort of. Was he, he? Do you think he should have been no, called player? No, on? not player. But he grips the ball to kick a banana. His first clasp at the ball. Although he's a left footer. Yeah, his first clasp at the ball is across his body. Yeah. He then makes the very brave decision. Haven't we all year been hearing commentators, Dunstall in particular, former goal kicking greats, Carey, asking why are they not kicking drop punts? Why did players constantly have to kick across their body? And around corners. Well, Sheed makes the decision to go with the drop punt. And to quote the old Jack Dyer, the angle was so tight when I kicked it, the ball got stuck between the posts. And and fortunately for him, on the right side for a left footer. Yeah. Um, what a fantastic kick. Uh, I, to me, wow. <clears throat> this will be... Uh, you know, I was trying to think of similar clutch moments. The only things I could think of that came even close were... Twiggy Dunn's goal to level the scores in the 77 grand final, although Collingwood didn't win a flag out of it, ultimately. And Leo Barry's mark at the end of 2005. I would argue, though, the pressure on Sheed even greater than Barry. Barry didn't have much time to think about what was going on. It was instinct. This guy basically knows at the time he takes a kick, he has to goal for them to win the flag. At the time, I went over it again, at the time um, the ball hit his boot... There was uh, one minute 52 left. Yep. When it was signalled all clear, there was one minute 45. 45. That's, that's where the clock stops. <clears throat> Incredible shot. That 
to me, will be one of the most famous grand final moments ever. Until until what <laughs> until what could have been, but wait, there's more. I mean, this is the sort of grand final we're talking about. So that, that should be game set and match. Well, not, not well, no, no, not sorry. necessarily. It should be game set and match when West Coast attack from the next centre bounce, and Luke Shuey chips to an unattended Jack Darling, no one within thirty metres, camped under the ball. You can see the West Coast supporters behind him going up because they know he marks. That's the end of the game. I'm watching the game with some Collingwood supporters. And I know it's a short period of time, but as the ball is travelling from Shuey to Darling and they see Darling, two of them stand up. They've got footy records. They throw them down. Yeah. Expletives. It's over. Yeah. It is over except what? He drops it. He drops the mark. And then they desperately tried to he concoct the score out of it and it ends up being rushed through for a point. And then Collingwood was still a chance because Maynard went the big barrel. Well, the kick in, and the kick in, the kick in is a setup. Landed to Shuey. The one thing that still happens at training, there's not a lot of um, circle work, whatever, but kick ins to goal is a, something they work on. But I, I'm almost too scared to think about had Collingwood gone the length of the field, got a goal, won the game. Jack Darling's drop mark would have been the most infamous moment in the history of football, possibly... Australian sport. Possibly world sport. I mean, I, hey, world sport might be a stretch, but I'll put it to you out there, Facebook in. Can you think of another moment in world sport that would have been as infant or more infamous Was it Baggio, than that? Baggio during the penalty shoot? Just a penalty in order to lose a World Cup. Yeah. Well, he is a great striker. I'm saying, you know, yeah. I think the Italians still remember it. Uh, yeah, but I mean, there is some. Somebody has to miss it. There's it's more chance shootout. of missing a penalty than you would have well, of an ha- AFL player dropping a mark. But like somebody that. has to. It's a penalty <clears throat> shootout. Somebody has to fluff their lines. <clears throat> I've in I, I'm trying to think of any time in any game I've actually look. I've seen players miss from the goal square. We saw Josh Bruce last year. Mm. I actually saw Reece Stanley do something similar. He was on his own in the goal square. <clears throat> he was going to take a chest mark, turn around and kick it body, brain, function, whatever, he turned around, the ball hit him in the side. Yeah. But this is... God, it was unthinkable. Now, the kick-in, as you say... Yeah. It, look, it was not a good kick-in. He really did... He really did fluff it. Because you've got to get the ball up in the air. Cox would have been there. Fist to the back. I mean, we've had moments where that can result in an opportunity. Shuey Marks... Yeah, and then... His da- kick's brilliant. Yeah, and not only his kick, but the fact that he was able to, I guess, con the umpire into believing he was taking now, a shot for goal. Now, I have said, and I thought this was going to happen, I thought, finally, you've finally landed on the moment. I have said, with this 30-second rule for goal, what happens in a grand final if a team's three points up with a minute to go, which is roughly the setup? The player goes back for 30 seconds and then he turns backwards and kicks it to someone on the wing. Mm. Game over. It's not fair. The, my solution to this, even though it makes no difference in this case, is if, you're go, if you take the 30 seconds and the ball is marked by a teammate, it should be play on. But that's not relevant at this time because Maston does something brilliant. He knows he can't kick the goal. Now, in a normal game, you kick it to the top of the square. Shuey. Uh, Shuey, sorry, Shuey. No, he can't kick the goal. So you'd set it up 15, 20 metres in front yeah. of goal. He kicks it but to the point post, mm. knowing that the refuge of the boundary 
comes into play. Mm. It's much. It's a much better spot than it would have levelled the score mm. had he kicked it to the top of the square for another kick in. Well, they force a ball up. Uh, that in turn becomes another stoppage, boundary throw in, and uh, I guess the final cut away to Eddie Maguire, and you see the look yeah. on Eddie's face. He knows they're gone. Uh, cue siren and um, abject disappointment for the Pies, pandemonium for the Eagles. What an epic game it was. Yeah, there are tears. There are, um, you know, you look at the Collingwood bench, there are tears. Well, there's but... actually, I'm glad you said that. There, were, there was um, an incredible shot of their bench, and there's two in the front, uh, two at the back, and so you've got Alex Woodward, the runner, and a Collingwood player. I couldn't work out exactly who it was. Two officials at the back, and three of them have all yeah. got their heads in their hands. You know, you feel for the runner. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Alex? Yeah, well, really nice gesture by Nathan Buckley in the rooms afterwards to sort of comfort him. And um, also, actually, I know this is by the by, but the cheer squad run through at the start of the game, torn, torn to shreds. To shreds yeah. and Symbolic. Several, several, and beautiful several, how he went out there. Well, several players actually yeah. stopped and went over to them, because yeah, they were in tears as well. Yeah, that was great. And that's it. Siren, let's take some questions on the game. Have we got a few, Mr. Music? Got a few backed up? Just, right. a, just a, as we start, there was one other tears flowing. We're running over time, so come on. It was beautiful seeing Dennis Pagan, an emotional Dennis Pagan hand that uh, to Adam, Adam, Simpson. Adam Simpson. Yeah, taught him everything he knows. All right, let's get into some questions. John Funlove and Hines. I think Collingwood made a huge mistake by letting West Coast back in the game late in the first quarter. It cost Collingwood the flag, in my humble opinion. I don't think they let them back into the game. I think the Rioli goal was a bit of a fluke, you know, and they, they defended that okay. It just bobbled over the line, hit his leg. Uh, the next centre bounce, yeah. Um, look, there's no doubt late goals change the complexion of everything that's gone before it. Yeah, they didn't let them in the game. We saw for the rest of the game <clears throat> that these were two very evenly matched teams. So should we, should we be surprised that they kicked a couple? Less so than if the score had been seven to nothing at quarter time. Good one from Craig Williams. Thoughts on Josh Thomas ruffling Tom Cole's hair and going the chirp after Collingwood kicked their fourth goal. Of course, that was after... Um, no, third goal after Cole dropped, dropped the it. mark. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of that. I mean, I'm not as outraged by it as some people seem to be now. That It's a bit... You know, it's a bit arrogant and whatever and uh, came back to bite him, really, didn't it? He didn't have a great game, Josh Thomas. No, he didn't. You, in the moment, you, uh, your personality is what it is. And, you know, Thomas is a perky forward, small forward, and they have a, a history of um, aggravating their opponents and doing it in a demonstrative way. I, I just think it's what flowed at the time. You know, you can't sit back the day later and say, you shouldn't have done that. That came back to bite him on the arse. Yeah, it did, but that's Josh Thomas, and he's okay. All right, next. Um, Brendan says, umpires putting the whistle away in grand finals, good or bad? Uh, I think good. I think good. I, I, I think we've, we've become used to that. And look, to be honest, I didn't look at it and think... I didn't think they put their whistles away. Yeah, well, I, I thought they did, but I, I thought it was marginal enough to be not completely at odds with what we've seen throughout the season. Look, in the last quarter, there was a telling, <coughs> dropping or throwing the ball, I think, against Shuey that was a brave decision. There was a tunnelling yeah. of the legs <clears throat> that was paid. Yeah. You know, these are definite free kicks that were there. Other times, <clears throat> the crowd wanted holding the ball, but I was... You know, just watching the game, I was not shocked by any decision. 
Yeah. Those that were paid, I expected to be paid. And by the end of the game, I think their rhythm was predictable for fans and more importantly for players. I'm just having a look at the final tally of free kicks. 30 for the game. You know, it's not... I've seen a lot lower. Uh, Brendan, also Liam Ryan, good game or not? I think good, but lots have him in the Eagles' worst performers. We'll hold fire on that because I think you're going to address that. Any more? <clears throat> Sorry, there's going to be a frog in my throat. Um, John Funlove and Hines again. Vardy was huge yesterday. He, he was good. And mm. look, I think Lysette, people were critical of Lysette, but I think the duo was pretty important. Yeah, very good. And just on Vardy, <clears throat> there were a couple of players in that game that were pretty much rejects from their clubs. They're not rejects, but they were let go comfortably by their clubs. And when they arrived at their new clubs, they had not an easy go of it. Vardy was anything but a senior West Coast player. Mm. And likewise, Chris Martin. <clears throat> I mean, his journey from publicly being cast aside by Nathan Buckley to not only a grand final player, but a very able contributor. He was definitely in their best, I thought. Both of them have stories of redemption that are worthy retelling. Uh, Clinton Bishop says, is West Coast the first side to ever be undefeated in a season in Victoria? Um, gee, gee, it could be close. Um, just thinking Brisbane, I'm, I'm assuming Brisbane weren't because yeah. they never finished any higher than uh, second or third in any year they won the flag. Sydney was strong. Sydney had a good... I'd have to check, but Sydney had a very good record in Melbourne. Yeah. Um, you know, Eddie had an MC. Yeah, maybe 2014. I think um, Richmond might have beaten them that year. Yeah, I'm just I'll trying to... 2005. trying to think what might come, who might come close. West Coast in 91 were almost there, but then, of course, lost the, uh, lost to Fitzroy in the last round, lost the grand final to Hawthorne. Um, I'll have to get back to you on that one, Clinton. I was saying that Richmond would be, so... Uh, okay, and uh, Brendan Howard says Grundy and Sidebottom struggled. Yes, and we probably should have touched on well, that. Well, we did. We mentioned in that was the one thing that was going right. We yeah. said that in the first quarter. Yeah. The double teaming of Grundy and Sidebottom being taken by Hutchings upfield. That would be Sidebottom's in terms of output. I think fourteen disposals. That would be yeah. his quietest return for a long, long time. I reckon. Yeah. Uh, and a key player, and he and Grundy probably their most two. Uh, two most important players all final series, so that was huge. Brendan says, Hutch, uh, Mark Hutchings, best tagging performance in a grand final. Any others come to mind? Uh, yeah, two. Um, David Reese jones on Dermot Brereton in 1987. Is that tagging or positional? Mm, bit of both. Bit of both, because Dermy had free reign. Yep. Reese won a Norm Smith medal. Yep. Another huge one. <laughs> Sorry, it's Essendon. Shane Hood in 1984 on Robert Dippier Domenico after Dipper had kicked four goals from a wing in the second semi. So they were huge. But this one's right up there. Uh, Sam Loriola says Ryan's bump was similar to Roughheads on Hanbury in 2015. Yeah, and both got up and and both... uh, uh, 2015? I think he meant 2014. Uh, Because Sydney wasn't there in 2015. So, yeah. Most comical moment of the afternoon? Um, oh, there was one that copped the razzing from the crowd and I found quite funny. No, I don't know what. I actually think Mason Cox actually believed that oh, you could, you could pick the ball yeah. up 15 metres <clears throat> ahead of the man yeah. standing on the mark yeah. 
And he was angry with the umpires, which means this brilliant rise during the finals of Mason Cox has not necessarily meant that he knows every rule in the game. But he knows more than, I always bring this story up, uh, Dwayne Armstrong. Oh, oh, that's famous. Uh, uh, punt Road? Yeah, Punt Road. Yep. Uh, Dwayne Armstrong, an American, uh, was he a footballer, I think, playing yep. for Essendon Reserves? It was actually the. I'm pretty, sure he, I'm pretty sure he was the boyfriend of Melanie Oakley, Ross Oakley's daughter at yep, the time. Yep. So uh, uh, Essendon kick a point, and Dwayne Armstrong goes and fishes the ball up from behind the goal. So he's playing for Essendon. Yeah. It's Richmond's kick in, yeah. but Dwayne Armstrong thought it was his kick from the def- from the uh, Richmond's defensive goal square. But the great thing I was, think that. the great thing was he kicked in for Richmond to a Richmond player, <laughs> this is dead true, the Richmond player was 50 metres away, in the clear, and he hit him, and he kicked it straight to him, <laughs> feeling that that's what you needed to do. Great start. Uh, anyone can play reserves, obviously. From Adam Rainey, Clinton Young, 2012 Grand Final, had something similar to Darling. Yeah, or is he sort of crucified because he slipped over in the goal square yeah, when Kieran yeah, Jack yeah. got the goal? Yeah, he I didn't play well. I think Clint Young a was different. a really good player for him in 2008 until he got, got injured. He was. There are two players, just on grand final memories, there are two players considered very unfortunate in Norm Smith medal running that got injured during a grand final. So Young's one of them. And Matthew Capuano for North Melbourne, who was... In 99? 99, who yeah, was... Okay. Pretty dominant at half time and got injured. I got one. Ricky Olorenshaw in nineteen ninety three had about twelve disposals up a couple of minutes in the second quarter and she's dragged him and Rick has always maintained that she's dragged him so they didn't have to uh, bump up his contract for the next year. And I can tell you Martin Pike in one of the Brisbane grand finals was at half time the leading possession winner and I know Pikey and he twinged his hammy just before oh, yeah. half time. He played it out but nowhere near the same. What about second half? Lewis Roberts Thompson half time in two thousand and five? That could have been most unlikely Norm Smith medalist. Clinton Bishop says, is McGovern unlucky not to be a Norm Smith medalist? I, I'm okay. I thought, I, I would have gone Shuey if I'd been voting. I would have gone, I would have gone Shuey three. This is right off the top of my head because I hadn't really thought about it. I would have gone Shuey three. I reckon I would have gone possibly Barras two and Langdon one. I thought Langdon was Collingwood's best player. And I would have gone I oh, know this sounds crazy. I didn't have Shuey in my best three. Really? Yep. So what would your three, two, one have been? Taylor Adams. Not because I did, but I just thought he had a really good yeah. game. Yeah. I, I just felt Josh Kennedy was influential throughout the game yeah. and kept them going. And it's hard going for forwards, only 12 goals to 11 or whatever. Mm. 11, sorry, goals apiece. And I thought Langdon was very close to best on the ground. I thought Langdon was outstanding for the Pies. Uh, Luke Chung says, Gaff looked more distraught than anyone. Yeah, look, I mean, obviously happy for his teammates, but he knows what he's cost himself with a moment of madness. I just want to comment that a lot of the commentary after the game, quite rightly, was how <clears throat> what an effort it was for West Coast to win, having lost Nat Nui and Gaff, arguably their two best players. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Don't sell Shepard or even McKenzie, but definitely mm. Shepard. Mm. I really feel for Brad Shepard. He's such a consistent player, a real made-for-finals-type footballer, strong body, consistent, um, unobtrusive, your classic underrated AFL player. Yep. And not a lot was made mention. And, of course, Adam Simpson mentioned both he and McKenzie during his acceptance speech. But definitely Shepard, terribly unlucky. 
All right, I reckon we're going to move on. Keep the questions and comments coming. We'll answer them now uh, if we can squeeze yeah, them course. in. But we're going to we're going to keep this zippy. It's time for well, this is your last air guitar for the season. And you know what? I was going to bring a guitar today, and I bloody forgot. I was actually going to bring a guitar, and we we're all going to have a laugh about that. So I'm just going to have to. I'm, I'm, to I'm, so I'm glad you didn't, because you can't air guitar with a guitar. Go you're for correct, it. You're correct. Ready? Let's go. slide at the end down the fret bar. It, it proves one thing to me. What? Guitarists don't do it in front of the mirror. Because it's quite a, it's an accurate unhinged. take. Yeah, it is yeah, an accurate take. Unhinged, and I always wish I had an afterwards when I feel like I'm about to pass out. Seeing stars? Let's start. All right, I'm going broad brush with my hots or nots, Finey. My hot is West Coast, and I'll tell you why. No one, hardly anyone, thought they would make the top eight. I think even they doubted themselves they would make the top eight. No one thought they were a good enough team on the road. Their record on the road this year ended up being 8-3 and, as we commented before, undefeated in Victoria. That's a first. I don't think anyone or many people thought they could play on the MCG. They ended up playing three times on the MCG and won all three, one of them being a grand final, the second one a win over their grand final opponent, Played the ground perfectly. Was not an issue. Can I just ask whether you think <clears throat> the move to Optus helped? More, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think they were still able to play the uh, the Weagle web to a degree. They just, it stretched wider and covered more territory. And that was the issue, them coming off Subiaco, because it was so narrower yeah, than the G. And I did look up the dimensions of both grounds there. Like it's 163 metres versus 161, and you know, one. The pockets versus... are the pockets are a bit more narrow. That's it's marginal. It's really marginal. And people don't know this, but they, they've actually had a facility being built that is identical to the MCG, very similar to Optus. That's not built yet. They have to train at a number of different grounds this year, <clears> West Coast, always searching for something similar to Optus and the G. And one last point on this. I think there wouldn't have been a person watching uh, beyond the West Coast camp who would have thought once they were 29 points down, they could come back and win it. Uh, and I think a lot of preconceptions about that team have been shattered this season. And I think that takes a lot of hard work. Uh, I think Adam Simpson has been a wonderful coach for them. Incredibly, by the end of last season, there are a few people questioning his future. A stunning response. Stunning response to um, losing some seasoned midfield players, Prudis, Mitchell, uh, investing in some talented kids, entrusting a few guys with more responsibility. It's all come together perfectly. It's a wonderful, wonderful premiership win to them. And... Uh, Good on them. I, I, I enjoy watching them play. Their supporters are funny at times, the, the Boo Brigade at Optus Stadium. But I genuinely enjoy watching West Coast play footy, and I think it's a thoroughly deserved premiership, so well done to them. Here, here. Your turn. Not. First quarter, Liam Ryan. Hot. Liam Ryan bumps Maynard, puts the physical stamp on the game that West Coast are looking for. Not. Liam Ryan fluffs a few opportunities, on the way to the third quarter. 
hot. He starts to tackle and run down and give the forward line pressure that they're expecting. Not at the end of the third quarter. He goes back with the fly to the ball, turns his body to protect himself. <coughs> and unfortunately, in front of 100,022 people live and many more on TV, there's nowhere to hide when you do something that sort of may be construed as not going for the ball 100%. Not fair, that call, by the way, not fair, but he has to live with it. He's counselled by Lewis Gzetta. I say hot as he snaps for goal and hits the inside of the post. I say not when he snaps, uh, set shots for goal and hits the post. I say hot when he picks Josh Kennedy out for the second last goal. And I certainly say hot when he rises majestically late in the game. He's got spring in his legs that most other players wouldn't have at the end of a grand final. And then instinctively, not West Coast-like, because remember, they are a kick-and-mark team, he plays on immediately. That creates some separation for Sheed and Rioli to team up to get that winning goal. So in the end, the hots outweigh the knots. And for the only man on the ground that had never been to the MCG before, mm -hmm. it's redemption <clears throat> all wrapped up in a single game. Uh, yeah, no, what really great uh, summary of his day. And I think uh, it was another good stat, actually, during the call, which I watched later. Um, I think he might have only been a second or third Jason guy. Ball. Yeah, Jason Ball. In the for, AFL for West Coast. In the AFL era. In the AFL era, to play their first MCG game in a grand final. So we, of course, know that James for Richmond must have played his first MCG game in a grand final because it was his only game. Ah, OK. Um Sam Barlow says, hot. Sam Mitchell's nous for what it takes to get it done in the grand final of the MCG. Massive for West Coast coaching stuff. Yeah, I, I think he was a really important part of it. All right, not. Um, not as big picture, this one. And it comes from watching the replay. I was at the game, so I didn't see this at the time. I love the way you called the replay. I watched it live. Well, it's a replay for me. <laughs> I IQ'd it, and I watched it when I got home. Um I thought Channel 7's coverage, I haven't watched it all. I've just watched the game stuff. I thought it was pretty good. I thought Bruce reined it in. I thought Bruce was out of control in the preliminary final. I thought he pulled it back a notch. I thought Brian commentated brilliantly. I thought BT was good. Um, Brian Taylor, brilliant. No silly names. I, yeah, I thought I thought they were all good. Yeah. What This is more a, direct, a director thing. Celebrity cutaways, okay? Like Eddie Maguire... Less of an issue with that. He's a president. But we don't need to see him 15, 20 times during the game. I mean, we're used to that. And his kids. But we're sort of used to that. And I'm not saying it's right. How about the shock WA cutaway? Don't. Hang on. What? In the crowd or at in the crowd. WA? Yeah, well, so I'm getting that. I'm saying, I'm saying, how about it? Julie Bishop. It's a... <laughs> like, seriously, who gives a flying rat's continental there i've mixed up three very rude metaphors but you know where i'm coming from what she thinks when west coast kicks oh, a goal hang on that's not her fault that's and she's just there watching the I'm game as a west coast i'm having a go look she was on the board i'm not doubting her her credentials as a west coast fan but we don't need to see it we don't need to see it. we don't need to see it more than once we saw it bloody 20 times wouldn't you rather see if you have to do crowd cutaways why wouldn't you rather see, this to me makes far more sense, a section of the crowd. So West Coast kicks a goal and you see a whole bank of supporters go up in the colour. Why narrow it down to one person? It's like that. The, my worst grand final shot of all time. Sydney won the 05 grand final. 
first flag in 72 years. And you see Leo Barry embracing someone on the ground. Straight away, cut to some nuffy in the crowd going, one, one, we're number one. Enough of it. I mean, that wasn't even a celebrity cutaway, but enough of the fixation with celebrities and what they think about the footy. I don't care. They tried Scott Morrison, but I don't think he was all that interested in the game. Well, he was barracking for Perth, fine. He did say during the <laughs> week he hoped that Perth brought the Premiership Cup home. Um, so, At least he wasn't eating a raw onion. So the, the, the Premiership is, as pointed out by, I think Luke Shilley, or even, it might have been Luke Shilley, or Sh- Shannon Hearn. It's for the fans. And I agree with you, it's so lazy. Look, they've got to do it instantly, bang, quick. And the producer's sitting there, cutaway, Julie Bishop, cutaway, Eddie McGuire, you're spot on. There were a couple of cutaways in the crowd, and wow, there was a beauty with West Coast peppering the goal and getting points, and these two West Coast fans in a group of about 20 just actually doing the old, what do you do when you're nervous? Yeah. They were gnawing at their nails. That's what you want. You want that sort of stuff. All right, you're up. Okay, uh, hot, both of the coaches. First of all, they're eminently likeable. I, I know that Nathan Buckley during his career earned the nickname Fig Jam, and I don't think anybody that had ever met Nathan would uh, attribute a derogatory nickname to him because he's a, got a great sense of humour and he's just a, a bloke that, well, he remembers your name and he, he's, a, he's a solid citizen. Adam Simpson is also very well liked. So they're both, in, in, as a coach, he's become very well liked, Nathan, handling the stress and strains of being a Collingwood coach under pressure for most of his career with great um, dignity, <clears throat> aplomb, never blaming others or blaming the pressure of the job, really offering himself up rather than the players. So I think they're both respected. They came into this season with a lot of pressure on them. You don't want to be a non-Victorian in WA if your team's on the decline unless you're Ross Lyman, <laughs> and you don't want to be a Collingwood coach missing out on finals again. Nathan Buckley put the acid on himself. The years couldn't have really gone worse for them in terms of injury. They lose key players or suspension, yet they hold fire, and both of them are attributed to being very positive. Buckley has transformed himself, apparently, to finding the positives mm. in players. Yeah. Adam Simpson has always been that sort of coach. And there had to be a loser, but for both of them, they are respected <clears throat> and well-liked by the football public for good reason, because they're very good losers and only one of them could be a winner. I like both of their seasons from the box and from the perspective of the interview. Well, yeah, no, well put. All right, my last one is a hot. Again, big picture. I'm giving a hot to Collingwood, and it's an extension of what you're saying. Yeah, they lose the grand final, but as shattered as they might be and their fans might be, you could not in any way think we didn't give the best possible account of ourselves. They were fantastic again. All year they've battled injuries to key players. This is a side who'd finished 13th last year. Their coach was that far from getting the chop. I want to touch on something else here, and that phrase, I'll phrase the collie wobbles. So Collingwood's grand final record is now 44 grand finals, 115, two draws, 27 losses. This is how close they've been to not even having to think about that tag. Since 1964, 
they have won two, drawn two, and lost 11. Six of those 11 grand final losses have been by 10 points or less. So they have been close. That, to me, is the sign of an incredibly successful football club because they keep presenting, they keep presenting. The Tom Hafey era was a bit like this. They weren't... No, actually, it wasn't a bit like this. They weren't good enough in the Tom Hafey era. That's why they lost those grand finals. But, geez, they came really close to pulling massive upsets in at least two of those losses under him. This one, to me, is more about a side... 0-2 against Brisbane, massive underdog. Probably had no right to be there in terms of talent. This one, to me, is different. This, to me, is very much the beginning of something rather than the end of something. This is a side that has found its mojo, is still pretty young, has a cast of young players who are going to get better, absolutely going to get better. And I think their best is definitely in front of them. This is a beginning, not an end. And from that point of view, I think this is definitely, despite losing a grand final, they are hot. Yeah, I I disagree with the main sentiment of your hot there. Which is? I, I felt one of the underlying factors that made this grand final so memorable and such a desperate and important affair is that I don't think either of these teams are guaranteed anything next year or going forward. And that includes the chance of being in another grand final. That's a possibility. Yes, of course. Richmond will go in favourites next year. They are $4.50 favourites. That's not important. Both these teams came from outside the eight. Mm. No, West Coast. Oh, West Coast were in. Sorry, they lost their first final. Collingwood from outside the eight. There are some teams that are going to come from outside <clears> the eight. Your Essendon, Adelaide, I think, are re- you know, with some luck and, and good management, will be well placed. If North Melbourne land Gaff as well as Pollock and Aaron Hall, watch out for them. Bulldogs, Port. That's from outside the eight. Look, Melbourne within the eight. Yeah. Hawthorne can recruit well. We know that. I'm just saying that... Look, in the last four years, we've had seven different grand finalists. Yeah. And I think part of the desperate um, disappointment for Collingwood, unlike Richmond last week, well, their fans could leave the ground and say, gee, we've blown an opportunity here. We were the best team, but we are getting Tom Lynch. Mm. Collingwood will go there and wrestle maybe for Steve and May, but, you know, it's it's an open playing field. And I yeah. think this was an opportunity for both. Look, I agree. I think their future is rosy, but... No more rosy than your bombers. Mm. Yeah, so, no, so this was it made it, to me it raised the stakes a bit. Yeah, no, I think that's a good point. Finish I'm, I'm going to finish with a hot. I had a knot about Norm Smith voting, but you know what? Just explain quickly because you sort of cleared it up for me. It, it's done now after the full game, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it changed after 2002 when yep. Nathan Buckley won it, but a lot of people thought that Voss's last five minutes probably swung it. The voters that year had to put in the votes before the last five minutes. Yep. Um, it changed after that. I must say, 2006, I was I voted again. That was the second time I voted. I was assured that we wouldn't be asked until after the siren. I had someone come and ask me for my votes with the score, one point the difference and still five minutes left. I told them no, and yep. they waited. Yeah, so yeah. I think they I liked told it. Them no, no. <laughs> Well, I think they like you to do it, but... You Did know, you give them the old let them eat cake? I'm not ready. No, no, it was sort of... It was actually a bit more blunt than that. It was sort of... Anyway, uh, I did vote for Andrew Embley, and he won it, and everyone else voted for him too. Um, so, yeah, you it, you do wait till the end. Yeah. Okay, my hot's a quick one, and it's only minor, 
but well done the AFL and those who staged the game for finally getting something right, and that was the score reviews. Mm, they were good, yeah. There was a, a it was match deciding with the ball being touched by Barras. It was clearly touched, yeah. But we didn't need fifteen showings of it. Mm. Okay, we saw the fingers bend back. Yeah. Uh, given what we'd seen during the season, yeah, 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 we easily could have had six or seven angles just to make sure. Yeah. That was quick. Yeah. Liam Ryan hit the inside of the post. Yeah. We trusted the goal umpire. Yeah. The game flowed without being, and and that really would have both of them would have interrupted the flow of a of last quarter. It's a small thing, but well done. Okay. So your hot is uh... management of management of the previously appalling score review <laughs> score review or decision. What's what well, I don't mean? It's called we the know, third umpire. We know what you mean. Yeah. All right. Conserve your energy because okay. uh, that's our last hot or not of the season. Yep. And uh, finally, it is time now for. You don't want to do it. Are you nervous? <laughs> no, no, I do. I'm just making sure that my little prop is ready. Uh, don't call your son your little prop. <laughs> He's a big prop. Um, all right, time now, finally, for the last. The Red off! A swig of water. Oh, it's going to take a lot out of me. All right, count me in. Three, two, go for it. I'm pissed off about this grand final, Finey. It was a classic, as tight a finish as we've seen. Plenty of drama, heroics, and a bit of controversy. What's wrong with that, you ask? Well, it's stuffed up the narrative we've had going all season that the game's in trouble and needs not just a band aid, but a full scale amputation. Look, the AFL's managed to find employment for dozens of former players looking for relevance and media commentators who want to be agenda setters in establishing roughly 27 different committees to chat endlessly about solutions, mostly non-existent. At least the Eagles and Pies could have done was to justify their existence with another boring one-sided stinker of a grand final. Has football's evolution stalled? Well, I found it interesting that the most critical play of a season, ending in Dom Sheed's match winner on Saturday, didn't come from congestion, a scrum, a knock-on, and a hack kick out of nowhere. No, it came from one of the cleanest, most skillful chains of footy we've seen in 2018. A huge grab from Jeremy McGovern, a brave and pinpoint kick in board to Nathan Vardy, a hanger from Liam Ryan, another perfect pass then, given the context, undoubtedly the goal of the year, if not all time. I don't know about you, Finey, but did we see any problems as such with the game on Saturday? Did we? Not from my perspective. And anything that a longer goal square or getting blokes to stand in a zone for roughly five seconds about 20 times a game is going to fix? Wouldn't have thought so. The thing is, we've just seen our 207th game of the season, and it was a corker. Most of the other finals this year weren't, but in 200-odd games, not everyone's going to be footy flashbacks material. Just as in a handful of trial games, you can't be sure your intended solution is going to fix a problem whose very existence is debatable, and which even if it does exist, may not as the game continues to change under its own steam. I reckon this grand final has given us more food for thought about rushing into rule changes, Finey. I just really hope that all those hangers-on 
had room to digest that food on Saturday after gorging themselves on this AFL gravy train. Here, here. Yep. Good point. Bigger goal squares. Set position. Set starting blocks. Stupid. Stupid. Hey, here's a point on the bigger goal squares. 18 metres. If the fullback kicks a ball to himself, does he have to take a bounce in the goal square if he goes further than 10 metres? Stupid. Stupid. All right. Okay, we're on. We've got momentum going. I'm going to count you in. Quickly. Hang on, I'm going to take a huge risk. You know, I had one prepared. I'm going completely oh, different. Oh, not again. Why not? Was your prepared one good? That was a follow-on from yours, but I think you've said it all perfectly. Really? Well. Really? Yeah. Oh, I'm always slightly nervous when you sort of uh, completely go off the cuff. different. I'm just completely come to me during the last three minutes. Okay. Well, let's keep it exploitive-free and preferably under two minutes. I hope I get it right. Three, two, one, rant. There's only one question left for football season 2018, viewers, and that is the big one. Will Footyology be back in 2019? Nobody knows what the future holds. I know Footyology, the website, will be back. But Footyology TV and the podcast, who knows? Well, I tell you, I'll be here to do it, mate. And why will I be here to do it? Because over my dead body will your Sunday night entertainment be the bounce and nothing else. No, Footyology TV has a place. It has a place in the football lexicon, in the football descriptive that is independent thought. We're not part of Croc. We're not part of AFL. We're not part of anything. We're part of independent thinking on football coming to you from two passionate football fans. As you can see by this splendorous studio, we're not over-endowed with sponsors, so a bit of help would be greatly appreciated, but... It ain't the money. It's your support, your constant viewing and contributions that have made Footyology worth getting up from my Sunday lazy afternoon for. And as for the podcast, we know you listen to it on trains. We know you listen to it on planes. We know we... It sounds like an ad for for Vic Bitter. We know you listen to it when you go for a run or when you're on the bike. Matter of fact, I got it now. A good, hard football fan needs a good, hard footyology once or twice a week. So I say to you, I make a promise. I'll be back. Will you be back? I'll be back. Footyology 2019. As big as the game lets it be. No bigger, but never any smaller. (laughs) Was that all right? Oh, the cuff. That's movie. That's movie, Friday. Your acting's poor, but... I know, it's bad. Um, no, well, well, really well said. I, I'm quite emotional now. We love doing this show, and we uh, we love your support. So, um, in all seriousness, I fully intend to. We fully intend to keep this going. A uh, bit of more, I would be nice. So, if there's any big ticket sponsors out there, you know, Mr. Hines or or Mr. Colonel Sanders or someone, uh, please let us know. And uh, Jaron's asking special guests next year, or preferably ones that are loaded and want to advertise. Oh, no, we, we, yeah, we could have people come. We in. could, we could. The possibilities are endless and will be explored. But uh, no, really good spontaneous rant. I underestimated you, and I apologise for that. Uh, we've got any more... We, uh, we've, you can't just leave it, people <laughs> watching the bounce. <laughs> no, uh, no. I mean, there's more, there's more... It's fun, but a bit of bounce, a bit of us... You know what? What? It's been a great weekend for me. Why? That was a brilliant grand final. Well, actually, just before you go on, what are we up to lengthwise here, guys? Hour 18. Oh, my God. Go on. Was it a great grand final? It was. 
West Ham defeated Manchester United. That yeah. doesn't happen very often for me. Yeah, not good. And I reckon that this is going to cap off the ah, weekend yes. just perfectly. Very good. That is the limited edition top from the 2000 win. Yes. But these boys, with Billy's last game... Go Storm. It's a heck of a game. So well, I, want to, I, I want to finish that way because you know what? Yep. It's been a great year. Yep. And let's finish it off with the well, Storm win. Well, we've got to get home. I think it starts in about two minutes, to yeah, be honest. Right. So before we sign off, uh, a few thank yous. A big thank you to um, Southern FM for letting us use their premises. And a big thank you to uh, My Sport Live and Andrew Weiss who were very accommodating of us earlier this season. Big thanks to Carl Bianco from Southern FM. Huge thanks to the following. Mal Bladell, who's done graphics, editing, Brilliant. you name it for us, all season. Huge thanks to Andrew Davies. Now, hang on, Andrew. Come here. Get in front of yeah, the camera. Come on, the, come on, get a shot. Come on, come quick. On, come on, get quickly, behind. Quickly. Quick. Come on, Andrew. Okay, this is the man who makes it all happen. He's a beauty. He, It's all his equipment. Um, it's... He... Brings it all together somehow. He puts up with us. He has been a beacon for us all year. Great. And we're really, really appreciative. He knows his stuff. So anyone in TV watching this, give this man a job. He's a gun. Yep. Big thanks to Craig Davis. Come on, Turns Craig. Let him every let... week. Come on, Craig. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> There's Craig's That's, thumb. He's a great thumb. And Craig's done well to front up today too, being a Collingwood supporter. An incredibly hard worker, Craig. He's a great uh, staple of the radio scene. So, uh, do you need a job, Craig? You've got one, haven't you? Yeah, boy, you'd like a better job. So, get whip him up someone. He's a man who knows his stuff. A big thanks to Tom Watkins, who helped us for a considerable period this year. A big thanks... I didn't really want to do this, but a big thanks to David Connolly. David, get up Come here, David. On. The, this kid, this kid cops the absolute rounds of the kitchen from this bastard. Can you see him? Soccer star. Can you see him? He's That's a good my kid. son, David. He's yeah. not a bad kid. He's been great help to us, actually. So thanks, David. And really appreciate it. And I'll it. tell you what, unlike his dad, he's, he's all dick and ribs. He's thin and he's handsome. Did you say he's all dick and ribs? Well, that's yeah. expression for somebody who's lean. Okay. Yeah, no, I've got a fair fair uh, porch over the tool shed, it's, uh, which <laughs> Mate, I'm going to lose over the summer. Now, I don't want to lose my spot here. Is yep. there anyone we haven't thanked? I think that's it. No, the biggest thank you of all. Thank everyone. Oh. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, thank you. <laughs> no, of course I thank you. And I thank you. Saying. Uh, I we don't need to thank you. No, we, we, uh, we enjoy each other's company. We love footy. Yep. We bounce off each other well. It's been great fun. Quick one from Brendan. Great work, guys. You're going to be doing stuff for trade and draft period. Not on your website. Put it. on your website. Yeah, no, it'll be, it'll be stuff on footyology. We might work something out, but uh, we're just going to enjoy a bit of peace for a few days post-grand final. But I really do want to say thanks to everyone out there who's yeah. watched all year, both when we were doing it at My Sport Live and in this Facebook Live uh, incarnation of it. Took a, a bit of a gamble, but I, I think it's definitely worth persisting with. Yeah. Let us know your thoughts, how you could be improved. Um, Tony <laughs> TC, David should have Dave's say segment. No, Tony, because it'll all be slagging me off about not doing this or that for him. Um, and I really appreciate the support, everyone. Spread the word. It's Spread been the quite word. overwhelming. You can help us by spreading the word. We are looking for sponsorship quite seriously. So, look, thanks, uh, thanks for watching. Thanks for being interested. Thanks for your kind words. And thank you, Lord, for football. It's great. We're going to uh, toddle off, watch the NRL Grand Final, and we'll see you next year.